Hey, y'all. Welcome to All About the Pod podcast with the University of Georgia Peanut Team. I am Macy Wheeler, your host, bringing you real-time updates from our scientists, extension specialists, extension agents, growers, graduate students, and everyone in between. All right, we're back again. Welcome to All About the Pod, and this is actually episode 43. Now, we'll say I got to apologize for not posting one last week. We had a snafu of a snafu, and and I had to throw all of that out. Uh, My mic, for some reason, crashed on me last week, and we could not hear it. And so we went through the whole hour. I could hear it when we were taping, but when I tried to redo things and and tried to um, adjust it, it, it was very low, and you couldn't understand it. So I apologize for not getting one out last week. We had a lot of good content. Uh, some of which may get talked about again today. So um, as we go through, at least this time, I don't say we got to rehash this because we didn't present it last week. So I do have um, two of our agents, Braxton and Seth uh, Terrell in Webster County on with us. Uh, guys, I appreciate y'all coming on with us this morning. Uh, like y'all really had a choice. I just called you and kind of forced you to do it. But nevertheless, Glad you're here. Could you kind of give us an idea of what's going on in your two counties? We're just starting peanut harvest. Uh, We've probably got, I'd say, about 2,500 acres already plowed up on top of the ground. And we've probably picked six or 700 acres so far, if I was guessing. Um, So far, I don't think it's going to be a record-breaking year, but everything looks fairly decent. I've seen grades anywhere from where we started around 65 up to around 73, 75. Um, I think the dry land fields have been pretty consistent with what some of the irrigated fields have. The virus wasn't quite as bad as last year. So you must have got a lot more rain up where you were at compared to the southwest then. Yeah, I think we were probably one of the wettest places in the state, honestly. I mean, we had way too much rain early we had almost 15 inches rain from like first of may to the middle of june um we did have that three-week dry spill in august with all that extra heat but it wasn't terrible um we we did manage to catch a couple of light showers there on the tail end of august and i think it salvaged most of the damage that we had experienced i got you now, uh, Braxton, is that the same for you? I know you're only one county north there, say, here, maybe one or two counties north to the to the west a little bit. Uh, same thing there? Hey, Braxton, what is he doing out there? He, he's changing Seth's diaper. He got tired, <laughs> he got tired of it. <laughs> He got tired of listening to Seth and said, forget it. So since, since Braxton's taking a break, Seth, tell us about uh, what about the rootworm injury this year since? Oh, I got him on hold. That's what it uh, is. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, there you go. Now, now Braxton's I, been talking like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now, Braxton, can you hear Nobody me? Can hear. Yeah, this is like Apple customer service right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can understand this. Now no, this podcast is going to get blackballed. <laughs> we're going to get bumped off the Apple Oh, see, there he goes. There. See, I, well, you know, that's like technology. It's taken me 43 episodes to get where I'm at right this minute with this broadcast. So, you know, we're we're trying to do the best. All right, now both y'all can hear me now, right? All right, Seth, we got to separate. Yeah, so feedback. we got a lot of feedback now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, we'll just stay right here together. 
So in that situation, you pass the phone or put one on mute when the other one opens up. So, but um, but go ahead, Braxton. I'm sorry about that. Uh, what was your question? I'm sorry. Well, what'd you eat for breakfast this morning? <laughs> Man, I had scrambled eggs, bacon, and uh, Greek yogurt. That's my breakfast every morning. Every morning. All right. That's no wonder you're so big and strapping. Yeah. <laughs> What can I say? Not much. Can you say? No, we were saying what? um, So your county, same way as Terrell, got a lot of rain. Good dryland peanuts. What you? What you're looking at? Irrigated in dryland. If you'd asked me a month ago, I would agree with you. But boy, we turned off dry. We're suffering. You know, finishing them off here. These that we pulled this morning, but we had to get a pitchfork and pull them up. There wasn't no pulling them up with your hands. You know, Um, it's dry, and I'm seeing a lot of wilting and. And uh, aspergillus, which is what I'm most worried about right now. So, I got you. Now, how much in how many how many acres in your county have been turned over right now? Mm, down here in Webster, shoot, man, I'm gonna say two to three hundred, maybe. Um, Marion, it's about that too. So, I'd say total the area I cover. You know, five, five to six hundred, maybe. Okay, all right. But do you think, uh, kind of like Seth's going, kind of between sixty, high sixties, low seventies on grade so far? That's what I've. The highest one I've single grade I've heard so far has been seventy three. Uh, a lot of high sixties, yeah. Well, Mark, I tell you what, if we could see you now, do we need to make this a video podcast? Well, I just took a picture of you and sent it to everybody. That is what it you, was. You have a new name, Sir Mix a Lot. Sir Mix a Lot. Sir Mix a Lot. Hey, that'll work. Hey, we, we're do, we're in the prime time now. Prime yep. time. There's going to be a lot of editing on this podcast. No, I'm not going to edit a single thing. So don't watch. Don't say anything. Um, this is going to go out as is. Oh, yeah, I know. As is. Yeah, I may have to. Uh, it depends on what we get into a little bit later. But um, well, guys, I've been talking to Federal State Inspection and and looking at a list of all of the grades that have come in up to September 25th and most of everything is in the low seventies. And this is throughout the state so far. Uh, we've had a few in the sixties, but most of them in the low seventies, but we have not breached 76 yet. And you would think this time of year, we would have already crossed that. Uh, but it's just showing you that this, this crop year, things are a little slower. We've not filled things out quite as well because of the rain or the, or the heat for certain a little bit later uh, earlier in the year and that has caused us to have the questions like i got yesterday from numerous people is why is our shells so thick well it ain't they're, they're not thick we just didn't fill them up i mean we have right. we have a lot of abortion of some of them in the in the hole but we also um just you know got so many more on this profile that is immature and so when they dig them even though the front edge is is ready, that that stretched out back edge is causing some problems with with the percent hole and and our overall weights. And I think that's where we're jumping up in holes. Um, not well, quite as, Go ahead. I've I've noticed in a lot of the ones I've blasted, there's a lot more single kernels or one dominant kernel, and the second kernels, you know, a third the size. I think that's okay. contributing a lot to it. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Now, are y'all seeing any, with your dry land, have you seen any problems? I know Braxton said he was worried about aspergillus. 
Have you seen any of that? Um, and and or how much how much damage from rootworm in your neck of the woods are you seeing? Well, in Terrell County, we have rootworm trouble every year. I would say at least 70% of the samples that I blast are going to have some level of rootworm damage. I saw a sample Monday that was 60% damage. It looked terrible. Uh, it was, it had a lot of fungus in it. You know, it wasn't all aspergillus. Some of it was penicillin and other stuff. Um, but I, I, I still contend that we're going to battle rootworm as long as we don't have a labeled insecticide. Um, I mean, that's just the nature of our dirt, the nature of what soil types we deal with. And uh, until we have an affordable, practical solution, it's either going to drive us out of the peanut business or it's going to greatly reduce our yield and quality. So that, so from your perspective, how much yield do you think you're losing in Terrell County to rootworm? I went to all our buying points last year talking to them about submitting growers for Peanut Achievement Club. And consistently, every producer's yields I looked at were at least a thousand pounds under what they have historically been. So give and that some, is the best grower to the worst grower. Yeah. And some perspective on that is, I mean, it, it was lower. And, and the reason is why, what was different about last year than previous years? Well, we lost chlorpyrifos, our only consistent labeled insecticide, soil insecticide for soil insects, particularly the southern corn rootworm and the banded corn rootworm. That's right. um, I mean, we're in a heavier wet soil type like we consistently have with our abundant irrigation. That's our number one soil pest year in and year out. They drill a hole into the pot of that young developing pig. And if it's young enough, the entire kernel is going to abort. Or if it's mature enough, the plant's going to hold on to it. And it's going to be a pathway for fungi to come in, infect the plant, uh, and infect that kernel that we hope to harvest at the end of the season. And from what I've seen, you know, if if those pods are young enough, when we blast them with that pressure washer, it's going to disintegrate most of the damage, and you're not going to see as much. But on in that time frame, when we typically see the biggest flight of those insects in July, um, most of those kernels are big enough by now when we're digging them up to do a hole scrape that that damage is going to be very evident when we put them on the profile board. And as we've seen in years past, uh, you know, we consistently see some of that damage where growers did not use Lord's Band or Clear Purifoss. But since we have lost that labeled option, it's become even red, more readily apparent. Uh, and our producers are stuck without a really affordable, any effective option, honestly. Yeah, it's a huge problem. I mean, and in, in you, in your area, of course, y'all bear the brunt of it a lot. You know, you go outside of the area you're in with that red clay, a heavy, heavy soil and a lot of irrigation. And people, <laughs> people don't know and don't care so much about rootworm. But, I mean, it really is a huge challenge for for your growers i know marcus we got a question for you because i've heard you talk about it before is there a link between the acres of corn in a county as well because seth typically has a fair amount of corn in his well, county. is that yeah. any bearing on that at all unfortunately for the growers in terrell county there is a relationship between corn and rootworm injury and peanut and it probably i mean it, it'd be difficult to tease out the effect of corn acres per se in a county because we could we don't have a check right mm -hmm. we could break terrell county into 
plots and then eliminate corn from part of the county, we might could do that. But uh, the way it stands, what we what we did do is we sampled a lot of commercial peanut fields over a couple of years that were either directly adjacent to corn or not. Um, so even the ones that weren't adjacent to corn still had corn within probably a mile, right, Seth? I mean, there's there's no peanut field in your county that doesn't have corn within a mile or two. Is well, that- the the fields that we sampled that were that did not have corn border on them, they were a mile from corn, but it was hard to find. It's hard to find. Okay, so at least a mile, right? Okay, we're so we've got that radius, but it was very clear. I mean, it was statistically significant. Fields that are adjacent to corn had more rootworms, actual beetles, and had more rootworm injury than fields that were not adjacent to corn. And almost certainly, if if you, I think if you took corn out of Terrell County, you would see a reduction in rootworm injury countywide because the insect can fly; it's highly mobile. But I mean, I think if and the implication is is that the first generation is 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 developing in corn. And that's what we think. And then the when they when they mature, they come out of corn and go into peanuts. And of course, if you've got a ready food supply and place to lay your eggs right there, why why travel? But if you don't, you can fly, right? So they can they'll find their way into I mean, all the fields had rootworms in them, whether they were a mile from corn or not. But if you got out to you know twenty miles from corn, let's say, I suspect that the the numbers would be lower. Right. What about, I mean, you're starting to get a lot more attention in these other counties too, right? Uh, starting to find yes. some spots where they are bad. And that's, or, Seth mentioned that too, right? We're talking about two different species. And Terrell County, that area was always the, I mean, that's where rootworms have historically been because they have the soils for them. And so growers there have been putting lowers band, chlorpyrifos out for forever, basically, as long as it's been available. And other places hadn't had to deal with rootworms so much unless you had a low spot in the field or, or whatever. And it was almost always Southern corn rootworm. I mean, that's what it was. It was Southern corn rootworm. And over the last decade or decade and a half, there's been a transition. And now we're dealing with, and folks who've listened to this podcast before have heard us talk about it some. And if you've come to meetings, you've heard us talk about it, but it's the banded cucumber beetle, which is, which Seth mentioned a minute ago. And that's, you know, the predominant species, if you go out in, the, in a peanut field now and sample, that's what you're going to find is banded cucumber beetle. In fact, I've talked to several people who tell me, oh, we've got southern corn rootworm. And I said, well, you know what? I want some southern corn rootworm for my colony. So if you've got them, I'll come collect. And they said, well, wait a minute. Let me let me go check and make sure. And they're like, no, no, I actually don't have any southern corn rootworm. It's all banded. Even, you know, people, oh, yeah, I've, I've got them, but they don't. And it's, it's, it's very actually very difficult to find mm-hmm. southern corn rootworm now. And to Scott's point, there are people in other counties now who are more concerned about rootworm. And, and what we, we don't know, but what we think is that banded cucumber beetle larvae, the immature stage, can survive in soil that the southern corn rootworm could not survive in. So drier, not dry, not beach sand that's desert dry, but drier than, say, the, the wet, heavy clay that you would have in Terrell County. So. Right. We have definitely seen we've seen some rootworm injury in in Tift County. We've seen it in Berrien County this year, Turner County this year. Uh, I've gotten calls from a lot of folks with some rootworm injury that historically are not rootworm areas, and it certainly wasn't. You know, you might expect that in a year when it rained a lot. Like if we if we look back on twenty twenty three and say, man, that was a really wet year. Well, there's some wet times, but it wasn't a wet summer. What which uh, counties were they? And I'm just curious. And the reason I'm asking you, you. Know, wonder if they would also have a lot of corn in those counties well i mean 
Tift County and Berrien County and Turner County and also in East Georgia where they probably do have more corn. Um, mm -hmm. But typically, I don't think of them as being the soil types that we would expect to see mm -hmm. banded, uh, banded cucumber beetle or any cucumber beetle in, but it is what it is now. So You don't yeah. have to be right up on it, but you need to – because you were going in and out when you were talking. So um, – you're talking yeah. to Eric Prosco, right? Yes, I was talking to oh, Eric yeah. Prosco. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to stay right up on the mic. Um, so, guys, both Braxton and and Seth, what else? Um, y'all want to add anything else in that y'all are doing? Y'all are seeing uh, that you think the the growers and other people out there would want to know this week? Uh, I got a question for you. Um, so we talked to other agents and consultants we're all a big happy family you know um have you heard anything about spider mites being an issue here at the end yes yes i have in fact uh jeremy kickler was just trying to call me and he texted me yesterday afternoon asking if i still needed a spot for a spider mite trial and i've been trying to we've been playing phone tag since about six thirty yesterday evening and i talked with a consultant down around y'all's way asking me about spider mites. And I guess this is what I would say about that. Um, they're definitely, so when we were on the peanut tour in Southwest Georgia, there were some dry land fields that clearly had had spider mites for a while, right? You could see the injury from the road. Um, we're in a situation now where we've got fields in other areas where spider mite injury is starting to show up or has shown up and maybe it's spreading. It's usually, spider mites love it when it's hot and dry. Um, we've cooled off significantly in the last couple of weeks. I wouldn't expect spider mites to just go crazy if you're finding some mites scattered across fields i wouldn't expect that they're going to just blow up over the next week or two so if you're within a couple of weeks of harvest um you know i'm not i don't know that i'd be jumping on a spray but we need to be paying attention uh but yes there's a lot of mites it took a lot longer i don't know what happened i don't know what triggered it but i, I kept expecting mites to get bad in august and then it was going to probably really cause us a, a real a real headache a real problem cost us a lot of money but they just kind of they just kept simmering in cotton and we would see a few around the edges and they didn't really do much but for some reason you know over the last few weeks they have taken off in some places but i, I do think that the cool weather and some of us got rain I mean, I got two inches of rain at my house on Tuesday, and I know that wasn't that widespread, but the combination of rainfall and cooler temperatures uh, could probably save some people from having to make a spray. Um, one of the issues is going to be there's only two registered miticides that you can use in peanuts. One of them is comite, and the other is portal. And the availability of that, those products can be can be limited at some time. I don't know what the availability is now, but that can be a problem for folks because they'll move those products around to other markets. But yeah, there's, what are y'all seeing? Uh, I've seen them in dry corners. Yeah. I, I haven't seen them really be an issue for us yet. I think we're going to, you know, beat the buzzer, but I do see them in dry corners. Well, I think most of us are going to beat, if you hadn't treated them now, I think most folks are probably going to get by without having to because of the, it's cooled down. I guess that's a good time to mention the, dry keeping your dry corners separate at harvest right there's a reason those spider mites are there is because those plants are stressed and dry and that's the i mean we t you talked about aflatoxin or aspergillus earlier that's just a reminder for growers when they're digging those peanuts and when they start to pick them don't it's, mix those it's going to be very important this go around i mean we talk about that almost <clears throat> every every time it turns around we have these dry spells <laughs> and we get some low quality 
uh, peanuts out there. So we're going to have to keep watch of that. But, uh, well, guys, I hey, appreciate be, be, before you let it, Before you let them go, can I ask uh, Braxton and Seth a question? You guys still there? Yes, sir. Just follow up. You know, we may have talked about it, but you know, for me at this time of year, there's really not a lot going on for weeds. But you know, I was over your area several times when we were looking at stuff. So just maybe a good time to follow up. You know, the first one would be Seth. Remember the field we looked at earlier in the year that had the uh, cucklebur all over the place? Probably more cucklebur than I've ever seen in a peanut field. And uh, I'm just wondering how that turned out. It was dug this week, and it's on top of the ground, mm-hmm. and it looked pretty clean. So. Mm-hmm. So did they? I think in that case we told him to use the strong arm. Is that? Did he that, did. He came back with strong arm and cleaned it up, and it looked like it held to the end of the season. He mm-hmm. did have some morning glories come in late, but they weren't okay. too bad. Okay, good deal. And then uh, Braxton, what about uh, the uh, grass situation that we were dealing with? Um, did the farmer ever go back and retreat after we treated, or what happened in that? Uh, Braxton and I looked at a sort of a complaint on grass control and peanuts, and then. We went back in and did some spraying ourselves and then wondering if the, the grower, would, whatever happened in that field. Yeah, so he went, um, sprayed that top terrace with uh, whatever clethodim mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knocked that grass back, you know, actually below the peanuts. It's okay. pretty remarkable. Okay. Um, I think it, with the weather we're having, that, you know, that's a situation where that, that's the difference in you successfully digging those peanuts, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it definitely uh, paid off in that scenario. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, good. good deal. Good deal. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, we know y'all are busy digging those peanuts up. And if you didn't know out there the – you know, we do have these variety trials all over the state, and and I think that's what y'all are still working on right this minute is the nematode variety trial that we have in Weston, uh, Webster County, Weston. I don't know why I said that. Webster County. Um, hope. I mean, we stopped in, looked at those yesterday or the day before. I can't remember when I was up there, but uh, they look good. Uh, we appreciate you doing that, Braxton, or both you and Seth doing that. Uh, and it definitely add to a lot of good information. Yep. It's, uh, we do, you know, being this close to Georgia seed, we look at a lot of different varieties over here. So it's cool, you know, to kind of be some of the first people to see them, see, you know, the different characteristics and what they're doing. So. All right. Well, y'all get back at it and we'll talk at you, you two at a, at a later date. All right, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. All right, that was a good update from two of our, our good agents out there. We do appreciate all their work, uh, and they are seeing kind of the brunt. I mean, they're in an area that has had some pretty bad times over the last couple of years, and so glad to, glad to hear that at least in Terrell County they're doing better than average when it looks, you know, when you're talking about the dry land further south. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the – the weather and the maturity that we're hitting right this minute, because I had, I received several, several phone calls yesterday. Some of, some of which were trying basically to, to get the okay to go ahead and dig some, um, because of the weather and all. And, and some of these were two, three, four weeks out and they were saying, well, we're getting down in the fifties. Should we just go ahead and dig them? And it's like, well, if you, if you want to take a, a real big hit on yield and grade, you could, but that's not what I would do. I mean, unfortunately, we've got to play the cards that were dealt this year, and it is going to put us behind a little bit. And the grower is going to have to make the decision on how far he wants to get behind. Uh, 
Um, but at this point, you know, I know there's a lot of good weather uh, and people do want to go ahead and get started. But if you, you know, if you got peanuts that you dug and they're grading in the low 70s, you just got to make that decision. Is that okay for me? And if they're grading in the low 70s, we're also losing a couple of hundred, three, four hundred pounds potentially on yield. So um, if you're a smaller grower, you got plenty of time. Uh, and so I would say let them sit. Now, if you're a larger grower, I do understand. I think everybody on this team understands you've got to start somewhere and, and hope by the time you get to the middle of where you of your acres that you're going to be in better situations with yield and grade. But we have got to try to do our best job at at least making that decision. And, and the decision you make is the best one that you can. But um, what are y'all passing around? Y'all are just doing all kind of fun stuff. It's where did you get that, Mark? Oh my God! <laughs> uh, my postdoc made that. That's a that's hilarious. It's funny. I just see that again. We need to day. put maybe that's all right for those of you that don't realize. Mark's put my 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 head on um, the Jerry Lewis Jerry Lewis telephone <laughs> and then put all about the pot. I like that. That's Mark right. didn't do it though. It's, I don't want to take okay. credit for it because I would. I wish I could take credit for it, but I don't know how to do that. But my postdoc, Doctor Kemper Kemper Sutton, did that, and it took him like. 15 seconds to do that and it looks as real as it can be that's the, isn't that yeah. crazy yeah, it looks it good. looks good it looks good well we may need that we when we start it. doing our fundraising yeah. so that, that may be the thing we're going to turn into a fundraising group here for long so. but um but like i said it's it, it is not a a easy decision in anything that we do these days but we we will tell you that um, until we get into the forties, you got to be in the forties at night for at least two to three days before we really start to see this plant start to shut down. If we're in the fifties, mid fifties, I know we got a couple coming up that's going to be in the low fifties, but if we're in the seventies and eighties and hopefully hotter, they should continue to inch on. And that's what I would re recommend anybody to do. If we can do that is to try to inch these things a little bit forward before we dig them. Um, and so what did well, I was just yeah, I was just looking like the, the Tifton forecast. I've got fifty nine Tuesday and Wednesday, but it's gonna be in the sixties and the highs are gonna be in the eighties, right? So I mean well, I they they've made a bit. Yeah, it's like you said, they're they, yeah. Yeah, well, they change it every day, right? But I they mean they do. I wouldn't be like you said, I wouldn't be worried about temperature right now. No, and and I know the biggest thing everybody's worried about right now is time. Yeah. They don't want to be at Christmas har harvesting peanuts, but unfortunately we go, we're going to make it we're into November. Be. Yeah, it's, <laughs> We're going to make it into November and that's not a bad thing. I hope we don't have an early frost. That's the it's only thing. Hard, that, it's hard to stop, you know, when you know you got nice weather, like it looks like next I know, week. I know. And we told several, we told, we talked to several folks and they said, well, I'm trying to figure out what to tell my growers to do in the meantime. It's like, well, go ahead and defoliate some cotton and let's get some cotton harvested because, uh, and that, that's a shout out to Kemp. Because he's always yeah. saying, I never say that. So I'm saying it. Right. Go ahead and defoliate some cotton. Let's get some cotton done. You know, we're not going to speed these peanuts any, any more faster than we're already going. Uh, the majority of this crop is going to be a little bit late. And the weather's not helping us push them along right now. So don't get all in a hurry if the bottom line makes, makes a, a real, you know, when I'm talking about bottom line, I'm talking about the grade and the yield. When we're trying to push as much as we can, we don't want to leave anything on the table, and I don't want you to do that. So, please, you know, when we say at this point, if you look at the profiles that these agents are doing, none of them are bell-shaped curves that much. Most of them are, are they go up and then they stretch out. And so, there's a couple. There is a couple that that look normal, 
those you can go with, no problem. But if it's if it's stretched out, you got to try to pull those back ones up as much as possible and just try not to lose as much on the front end as you can. But uh, I'll give up one or two on the front to pull up, you know, 10, 15, 20 on the back of that profile. And so just just take, you know, take all the information you possibly can in and make a decision. And if you make a decision to dig, you've done the best thing you can. You took everything in into consideration and then go with it. But, um, you know, try to get us out there if you need us. I mean, that's a problem. I mean, that's not a problem. I've, I've been on the phone almost every hour on the hour for the last week and a half. And we're just trying to help out and try to figure this out. Uh, but I tell you, you know, and then we got this 12 Y situation. Uh, and I say it's a situation for some reason, 12 Y quit blooming late. And so all we have is blacks on the, if you look at the profile, they're blacks, Browns, a lot of browns, a lot of oranges, not really a lot of whites. And so a lot of people saying, well, they're ready to go at 142 days. If they do not have any disease, we need to be pushing them to 150 no matter what. I think we need to get as much yield out of those as possible. And the reason I say that, most of the time, I'd say a good 80 to 90% of the time, they do not have stem problems. You can let them sit. Now, we have also have seen something a little crazy going on with 16HO. Georgia 16HO, for some reason, it is not where it needs to be on the board. Uh, 142 to 143 days, there's hardly any browns or, or any blacks to be found. Hmm. They're really light in color, um, and so the agents are really dealing with trying to figure out what to do with them. For Did some, they just not said anything early? I'm. That's my question, you know, and that's hard for us to determine right now. Yeah, you, you don't know now, right? But my thought is that some of these did just sit so long, and it could be that they sat for a month, and then they didn't start blooming until 45, 50 days. It could have been that late before they got into gear. And if they did, that basically eliminated all those, all those early ones um, or where they should be. And so... At this point, the only thing you can do in that situation is go by the board, take a couple samples out of the field. You know, if one checks that way, check it again. And if they continue to check that way and you don't have leaf spot or any, you know, a lot of white mold in that field, you just got to carry it. Let it keep going um, and try to mature them out. That's the best thing we can. The other thing about trying to mature things out as much as possible is these seed peanuts. We do not need to take them in too early. We need them to have a mid 70, you know, 75 going into 76, 77 grade, or they're probably going to get segregated out. And we may not be able to use those uh, because they're going to be too many of them immature. So try to try to mature those out as, as much as possible. Don't get in a hurry with them and, and try to bring them in and get the best weight and the best grade we can, because that's going to help us next year for seed quality. So, um, that's just a couple of the of the calls that I fielded this week. Um, you know, we we keep just looking at samples, and that's what we're going to continue to do for the next probably next month and a half. So, uh, stay tuned with all that. Um, Eric, you got anything as far as things going on now? We've we've already come out of corn. I've already seen several cornfields that are are one. You see a lot of volunteer corn, but I also see a lot of volunteer weeds. And I say volunteer yep. weeds. Hell, a lot of weeds. Yep. Period. So what what are some of your, you know, and again, grower at this point probably don't care. Right, right. Because he's got so much on his mind. But Well, if you uh, want to delay a few days, today would it's still a good time to spray tropical sparta wort. So uh, that would help you 
you know, that you would get some benefit out of it. Certainly we would encourage, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts that, you know, the fall is a good time of the year to take care of some of these weeds. If they haven't already produced seed, if they're already produced seed, then it's kind of a mute point, but um, it's still, uh, that window is still open. But I, I was going to tell you, I was looking, you see me looking on my phone, actually Doug's, and there's different reasons why I did this, but I dug some 12 Ys at 147 days and uh, they were averaging uh, my untreated averaged around 5,700 pounds. But I, you know, I don't do grade samples because over the years I've found out that I spend a lot of money doing grades and it doesn't really show me much. Yeah, I found the same you know? thing. So I stopped taking grades. Now, I, you know, if I need to, I will, but I don't have any gray data, but I just thought I'd share that. They were 147 days, and I was, if you look at the whole test, they were averaging around 5,500. You know, of course, they're going to fluctuate by a few hundred pounds, right? We all see, that's those, right. see those yield differences. So. Well, you know, that's probably lower than you expect. I mean, when I grow 12 wide, yeah. typically if I harvest them at, when they're optimal, right. Right, they are a, they're a really high yielder for, for me. Right, right. right. They are. Yeah, you know, we're, we're shooting for 6,000, and our, yeah. you know, we're trying to manage for 6,000. And, um, I would say right now we, we're about two thirds done and, um, the stuff that we picked Monday, I've already processed. So again, we're shooting, we're around 5,500 pounds, you know, and then, and they they were dug anywhere between 142 and 147 days, somewhere around there. And I will tell you, you know, we do some, <clears throat> we do some tests sometimes that we, <laughs> we're, we're trying to just keep ahead of mm-hmm. thinking about things. And, and we've got a lot of new varieties that have come out. Uh, and one thing that we implemented this year, just by just by happenstance, that just happened was we're doing a digging date study, mm. and this year it's going to prove to provide a lot of information. And so we planted those May the fifth or May the sixth, somewhere in there. And so we just uh, a week ago dug, or a week and a half ago dug the one thirty five day. So we're doing one thirty five, one forty five, one fifty five, and all of these varieties. And some of them you would think in a typical year. A lot of them are going to be too early, you know, at that 135, 145 should be about right. 155 should be great for something like 12Y, in which we do have in this test. And so we're going to be able to see this, and I, I expect, and I could be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. But I could be wrong, but I think we're going to see that it's pushing to the backside mm-hmm. now is where we're going to see the higher yields this time. But but that's what this is going to show us. And I think I'm, I might as well put that into a constant – uh, routine of mine or, or trial of mine is to start doing these digging date studies um, and try to try to understand that more. We got a lot of planting date studies, you know, with all the variety trials spread all over the all over the state uh, from early. I mean, from late April all the way into June. So or right at June. So we got a lot of ideas there. I know there's some geographical differences, but at least it gives us an idea where we're at. So that's something we're gonna we're gonna continue to do, and I think we'll continue to do this digging date study over the next couple of years to try to get a, a better understanding of some of these varieties. I'm sure your technical support's gonna love to hear that. Mm-hmm. A lot of logistical issues when you start trying to harvest a single trial three different times, right? I mean, dear it's, God, it's not it's yeah, not it's easy. That, well, that's something that, not easy. that I have difficulty with. I've got one test that's got seven varieties in there, and so I jumped in the middle because it would be difficult. Difficult. Yeah, to, you can't get them all. No, at the you, top can't, end, you, right? you can't get them all at the, at the exact time. And in, in, you know, in our case, you know, for those of you that don't know how we harvest plot peanuts, we it takes me. It takes four. You know, there's two people on the combine and usually two people on the ground weighing and dumping bags. It's kind of a 
a drawn out process. So you got to have all that timed as well. And so at some point you just got to say, all right, I'm going to dig and it's going to be what it's going to be. And yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You do. And, and I tell you, uh, I, I still say we put a good plug in for our technical folks because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for David Conger, which is my technician, you know, he's got, he takes care of roughly 28 to 30 plus trials for me when I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I've not been in Tifton for more than an hour or two for the last three and a half weeks, it oh. seems like. And so if it wasn't for him taking care of the day-to-day stuff, you know, where I kind of keep tabs of what needs to go on, but I'm asking him on a phone, and that's mm-hmm. basically how I'm talking to him is via yeah. phone, or I come home and I take him to lunch and we go to talk. Yeah. You know, that's about the only no, time I get a chance to talk there's with There's no him. way we could do what we do without support and, and a good graduate student or two. They yes, really, that's uh, correct. Uh, there's a lot of manual stuff that, you know, sometimes if you're a farmer and you see what do, you're like, why are you doing that? But there's a, you know, there's a reason why that we have to do things certain ways so we get good data and we can trust our data and, and be sure that we're, we're providing information that's accurate. And, and uh, it's very important to collect good data to, to give good information. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got to put a shout out to Tim McMillan and and Daniel McMillan. And, and all our grower All of the grower right cooperators, they are now starting to dig a lot of these trials. You know, we've got to get, you know, we bought as a collective group, you know, we raised the money and bought three dump carts that do weigh, they weigh the peanuts in the field. And so grower just dumps a six row dump in there and, and that, that helps us out. And so we're fixing to try to get those all around to all of our agents. And, and I know we're going to be out there too doing that. Uh, Tim McMillan, he, you know, gives us a big chunk of land to do research trials on. We try to, you know, make it to where we take our planter, we take our combine. So all he does is let he gives us a spot. He takes care of it after that. And my God, that's big enough. Mm-hmm. But he lets us come in and take over his field. And I've got a 12 treatment or 12 variety trial treatment there with and without the growth regulator. I've got. I heard you planted it this year. Yeah, we did. I heard it was a little, when they went to dig them, it, it was a little crooked. It's going to be a little crooked. <laughs> you know, you can't, the problem The problem with us driving tractors, Mark, is trying to drive them and answer the phone at the same well, time is tough. Well, right? Even if I, I don't even try to answer the phone when I'm on a tractor because I have a hard enough time driving a straight line anyway. But uh, yeah. All, yeah. all my rows go to the right. <laughs> you know, when you're turning, yes, you're looking yeah. over your shoulder and then yeah. you turn. This goes to the right. And you got to think, you go, well, why are you, why are you crooked? You ought to have GPS on your tractor. We do on our bigger tractor, but the one you that do. we plant these yeah. two yeah. rows. <laughs> Let's clarify that you do. Yeah. I don't. Well, the yeah. one that we either. plant our two row trials is a little forward tractor. And so yeah. we get on there with a two row planter and we go at it. And it takes, it took us a better of two days to get that, I don't know, 10 acres planted um, and it's going to take us about two and a half days to get it all harvested. Now, are you, you going to dig some of those separately then as well? Uh, as far no, as the majority you're digging, no, we're, once they go, once he's going to dig we, it for you, right? He's going to dig it and we're going to, you know, the good thing about 12 Y is I know what it will do. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, if it's low compared to 06, I kind of have a feeling that, yeah, we were too early. Yeah. And so we have to do that. Now there are trials like here in Tifton that I'll leave it. And we'll try to get a true, like the RDC pivot or, or wherever we're at. We'll try to get an honest look at it. But if it's in our farmer's field, the last thing I want to do is to hold him right. up from the bulk of the peanuts that there. You know, Tim's Tim is by all means, good gracious. I wish I had plenty of resources that I could pay him back for what he gives to us. Um, you know, when we do these varieties, he'll bring 
like this 12 variety trial. He'll bring 12 trailers out for us to put each variety on so that he can get a grade on it and, and get a good look at it. And he, he values that information, and we do too. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be able to get this real-world data well, if it wasn't the, for all of these guys doing that. Yeah, the other thing it. about having cooperators like that, especially somebody like Tim, is that he has a big influence on the growing community in Berrien County. So a lot of growers look to him for information as well. So working with him is just another way to get our information out to the growers uh, through, a, through a grower that's well-respected and, and uh, revered in the county. And I tell you, you know, when we say grow crop warriors, you got to think about it now. I have, in the cooperation with the agents, probably, I think, 12 to 14 trials throughout the state. Bob's got about the same amount. You know, Mark's got some with these. You've got grower things. And so we have to coordinate with all these guys, you know, and we're collecting data. So it's not just on our experiment station. So we're we're extremely grateful for the support that we get from our growers. If it wasn't for, like I said, well, then we wouldn't get real world, yeah. real world data. We can't stay on the stations in order to get the pressure that we need right. to be able to see, you know, to get the answers. So. That's, that's what I'm, uh, you know, Mark probably does this as well. A lot of what I try to do on farm now is if I'm looking for data on a specific weed and a, an agent calls me and says, uh, I got a bad uh, spot of a, well, let's just take in Berrien County this year. We're talking a lot about Berrien County. So shout out. Um, Who's was, the county agent over there? That is Ben, ben Reeves. Yeah, yeah. So, ben so, so Ben yeah. called and said, hey, you know, there's this tropical spider wart. And then I went down and looked and it was actually uh, another species, but uh, slender day flower. Um, um, so anyway, we went down there and did some work and because we would have never had some, uh, uh, we would have never had, had the opportunity to do that on a station. So it was in a grower field and we were able to do a, a very quick, dirty test that, and ultimately, the grower was looking at our plots and making decisions on that day. After we sprayed, he said, um, "What was that treatment? That's what I'm going to do." And that's that's what happened. Yeah, and it I wasn't would, slender, by the way. It was spreading day flower. My excuse me for misnaming it, spreading day flower. Right. Slender. And I would say, you know, we're not. Um, if you're not at the grower meeting, sometimes you don't get all the information, and we do realize that. And we wish we had more people at the grower meetings. Um, because it, it is a place that we can talk and it is a place that we share all this data. Uh, I know all of us are trying to do different things to allow this data to get out. Uh, this podcast is one of them. Uh, we also are working on databases that are in the, like for the, all the variety trials and the OVTs. We're trying to pull all that together in one spot and have it over multiple years. I know um, Mark and Eric both have blogs that that information goes out for insects, for weeds. And so we are trying our best to get you that unbiased data out there, or that information out there, because we uh, we want you guys to continue to call us for help. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we get paid to be here. Um, and that's why we do answer our phone calls. And I like working on new stuff, don't y'all? After a while, I do the same thing over and over. You're like, I need to. <laughs> I don't want another weed problem to pop up, but if there if it does, that's you know we'll be we'll but jump on it. I think that's a good point, right? I, I see some people who get seem to get really excited when a new problem comes up. I don't I don't get excited about anything that costs a farmer money, but at the same time, I do like a challenge, right? You want your job to be interesting, and uh, so I mean, I like working on these problems, and I want to solve these problems, but I I I can tell you, I don't get happy. 
no. when something new crops up or when somebody's got a problem because it's uh you know that's i do what i do because i i, I want to help farmers right. make money right, right. so yeah, yeah the la- you know the last thing I, anybody wants to see is you know yeah. be something we can't handle also on, on that side too it's also kind of good for us to think a little forward right what what could be a potential problem and then start working on it now before mm-hmm. everybody else is thinking about it and then if it does occur you already have several years of data in your pocket and you could maybe help somebody get out of a ditch in that scenario you know like in our case mark maybe we're going to lose it you've lost a product you're already working on something else hopefully you'll get a registration for that you know there's who knows what's going to happen with herbicide or any pesticide with endangered species but if we lose things what's going to be the next next thing we can do to to fill that void if if um if that happens you're right and and you know the stuff some of the stuff i work on especially like the varieties we've we've really really pushed hard for the uh seed foundation group uh to try to get us the newest varieties before they go out to to huge seed increases if they think there's some you know some of them are coming out uh and they think they they have what they need but when we get them finally that's where we can put them out there and find out really and truly does it have a problem or not and unfortunately we've had some some hiccups along the way i mean 13m that was a little while back awesome variety unless you had least spot um <laughs> which everybody does which everybody does <laughs> um you know and then we've had some little slip ups here and there i mean 18RU is a great one. George 18RU is a great one. It yields and it grades better than 06, but unfortunately, it likes tomato spotted wilt or vice versa. Tomato spotted wilt likes it, mm-hmm. uh, but if you plant it late, it can get leaf spot. And so you got to watch that a little bit. Uh, the new 20 VHO, God knows, I love the way it looks in the field. It looks great, but the problem is under stressful conditions, and this is moisture stress, too much moisture. It'll shed 10 to 15% of the pods for some reason um, late in the season. And so all of those are risky things that we need to understand. Uh, just like y'all's insecticides or herbicides, if they cause an undue uh, complication for putting it out, you got to you got to look at the reward over the risk mm-hmm. and say, or risk over the reward, however you yeah, want to say most, that. Most folks probably don't realize that half of the stuff that I do on peanuts is the tolerance of the peanuts to the treatments that we impose to make sure that we're not doing anything that's in the absence of weeds that's hurting the crop. So I can say with confidence that hey, if we do treatment X, I'm not, I'm worried about killing weeds. You're not hurting your crop. Let's roll. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of, and, and she's a quarter of what I do is finding new products that don't come through the normal channels through the university to get tested you know, and that's fine. If they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. That's all fine. It's just that we want to gather information so that somebody asks us. And so that's why I say if if you're a grower and you, you're getting asked to put out these products, hey, I'd bring it to our attention and at least let's, let us get some and let's try it and, and try to uh, make sure that the decisions you're making is at least advantageous for you. Um, you know, when you, when you decide to spend or make a decision, Hey, that's your decision to make. But what we want to do is make sure you have all the, all the information possible for that decision. So, um, what else is going on? What else we got? Um, I would tell you that I got a couple of phone calls, you know, from last week, the thing that you missed was 
we had one field that we went and looked at that was 118 day over, I think. I think that's what they were. And it was 90, 95 or 90% defoliated from leaf spot. Did they dig them? I'm not sure if they dug them or not yet. I hope they did. Um, with that rain shower the other day, it's going to get worse. Uh, you don't want to dig stems, right? I got a phone call yesterday saying, how long do I need to wait between if I see stems uh, from either loss of leaves from disease or, in this case, it was velvet, uh, bean, velvet bean. How long do I got? You know, do I need to dig them or can yeah. I let them mature out? And it's like if there's not any leaves on them, they're not going to mature out. <laughs> they're going to continue to pull from the stems, and, and you're looking at a pretty bad situation. Uh, the problem there is, I would say, if you are, say, 90% defoliated, and I tell you, when you say 90% or better, you're talking about just a handful of leaves in that in the top of the plant. And if that's where you're at, you need to dig them, whether they're 100 days, 110 days, 115, or whatever it might be. You need to go ahead and dig them because they're not going to last long. And the longer you leave them, the more the, the stems are going to get weak and they're going to end up coming off. Now, the other thing is we've had a lot of folks that have dug peanuts and they've taken seven days to get ready. Now, during that little period of time when the the relative humidity dropped to like 30, it was taking two to three days. But we don't have that now. We got moisture again in the air. It's, they don't have the 90 degree temp. So it's taken seven days, five to seven days. But if you have stems or 90% defoliation, yeah, I hope you don't. But if you do and you dig those, don't wait too long to come back and get them because in a day or two, they're going to be so dry that in all reality, they're going to be very brittle. And I would heat rather you try to be on the earlier side, even if it was elevated moisture, in order to keep those pods because you don't want to shell them. You don't want to shell them. You don't want to let the stems get brittle and them not go into the combine. And it's not going to load up very. I mean, you may have to bump your speed up a little bit on your combine too, because if you don't load the combine up just right, they're going to go out the back. And so just keep that in mind. Uh, so just a few things to think about. Um, don't feel bashful. If you roll some peanuts over and you're thinking they're six, 7,000 pound peanuts, and I'm talking about dang good peanuts, hey, if you want us to come over and have lunch with you and go look at some good peanuts, we're all for that too. So, and, and Mark would say, if you got some other curricular activities you want to do, like killing a few <laughs> dove or killing, you know, a deer or two, or just having a good time for a, for an hour, we don't always get to do that, you know? So yeah, it's, we, very, it's very rare that, uh, anybody ever calls us to say, Hey, just come look at this, just walk some from my good fields. It's, you know, for me, it's always a crisis of some sort and, uh, you know, I think you can learn from just looking at some, you learn a lot from looking at bad things, but you can learn a lot from walking good fields and finding out what a particular grower did in that scenario to get his crop looking like that. And that's uh, more information that we could share that's down the line. That's very true. And I had a grower call me the other day that gave us a, a shout out and said, Hey, you know, we've been listening to y'all on the podcast and we changed something of what, you know, our decision making was changed because of what you said. And so uh, and I can't remember at this time if it was, you know, going back and making sure that it was just velvet bean or if it was just, I can't remember, but it was one of those things that we had brought up in one of previous podcasts and they, they'd called and said, you know, I'm glad I listened that day because I adjusted what I was going to do. And that's, that's the things that we like to hear too. So I do appreciate that. 
Yeah, that kind of feedback is nice. It's, it's better. Most of what we heard was people keep asking me where I go to the dermatologist. It's like, are y'all listening to the important <laughs> stuff, right? <I> mean, <laughs> well, I tell you, Mark, <laughs> some things. It be- is important now, but I mean, it's like <laughs> pay attention to the information that you know it's really important here. So. Going to the dermatologist, as those of us that have spent their whole lives outside going to it the dermatologist. It is very important. Is, I was, just so you know, everybody, uh, if you can, I, I go twice a year. I already have, I've had some melanoma, so uh, I go twice a year to get my skin checked. Yeah, I've done the same thing. I don't have, I don't have Mark's situation, but you know, I, I like my dermatologist. You know, they it's told just me not, not quite the same. They told me I didn't need to come back for like two years, and I was kind of disappointed by it. And Mark goes, anyways, Can I come back next week? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. It's, we're getting back on that again. But, um, well, you brought it up. So. I did bring yeah, it you up. You brought it up. up. But yeah. I just, you know, it is good to hear that, you know, if people are listening to the podcast, they don't have any idea how many people actually listen, but, right. Hopefully. No, but I would say, you know. Yeah, if you do, yeah, send, drop an email or something or send, just, let just your county. Just call, call Scott Mumford. Yep. If you listen to the podcast, give Scott a call <laughs> this afternoon but, on his mobile phone. But I, I've heard some from some industry folks as well that they're, they've are they made comments that they're listening to it and then encouraging their sales folks to listen to it. So I think it's you, you kind of get a, everybody's got a different perspective and we all look at different things and collectively, you know, hopefully we're providing some information that, it's useful for, you know, maybe not every person every time, but something well, for somebody every time. And like I said before, I mean, if they have something they need us to talk about, send it. You know, you got Absolutely. a county agent, send it to them and say, hey, these boys are not covering this. And we need we need to know that. Um, we are going to continue to bring you something every week. I uh, don't know what we're going to do once we get into the fall, but you know, I, was, start I was just thinking that maybe that's a good time for us to uh, like go through production, like, you know, spend an uh, episode on entomology for the year, upcoming year, or weed science for the upcoming year, the things to think about at the different times. Or I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll well, you know, and, and I'm going to highlight some of our graduate work and, and postdoc work. Last week, the other thing that we missed out on was Kemper um, Sutton. Yep. Kemper Sutton. Kemper Sutton. He's the postdoc working on some stuff with Mark Abney. And and he come on last week, and my snafu caused us to lose that. And so we're going to invite him to come back. Hopefully, we'll maybe do that next week. Uh, we also... I am uh, sending an email out this week to kind of confirm the dates on DNR coming back and talking about hogs. We're going to also talk about the deer situation again, uh, about some programs that they've got. And so we're continuing to talk about that. I know with the hogs, I, I, I kind of want to know when the new peel or, or whatever it is, granular yeah. Yeah. or whatever it is for hogs that the uh, LSU folks did mm-hmm. uh, and Texas folks. And so hopefully we can get some of that here so we can start implementing something. Uh, but, but again, kind of keep posted there. Again, as we go in the fall, we're going to continue doing this. And, and like I said, we're going to highlight some student work. Um, as we go in, we'll do some production work and, and try to get you an idea um, or, or continue to bring you some more information and, and hopefully bring you some things you hadn't heard of. Because one of the things like, I think Eric said earlier, there's a lot of things going on in the background with our research trials, uh, whether it's from us extension specialist or the researchers themselves here in Tifton uh, that we are working on that you might not know. And so um, we may spend a little time going through like taking Eric or myself or, or, or Mark and, and saying these are some of the projects that we're working on. 
um, as we go forward and explain a little bit about them. We don't want to bore you to death, but if you just have an idea of what we're working on, you may have an idea because guess what? We take ideas from everybody. We're not, we're not a, at least I am. I take, I mean, if you got something, farmers are pretty ingenious about finding or fixing issues sometimes. And so if you've got some ideas for various things, I mean, we'll be more than happy to kind of implement them or, or evaluate them and see where, where they go. So, all right, with that, I think we're about at the end. Um, this is episode 43, all about the pod. It's, um, it's always exciting for us to come on and, and visit with you. And hopefully you, you feel the same when you're listening. Um, but again, you contact us if you need us. We'll be more than happy to help with that. Thank you very much. Thank you.